Hello and welcome back to Tap That AZ podcast. I am very honored to get to tell uh, this story this year of Rikon. This is a beer every year. Uh, in 2017, Ian Campbell O'Neill was an assistant brewer at Petal House and unfortunately passed away in an accident. And every year since, uh, Doc at Petal House has made a rye IPA. That was Ian's favorite beer. Uh, it was a rye IPA. And there's a whole story uh, behind this. And they, they called him uh, Icon for Ian Campbell O'Neill. So that's why they call it Rikon. The whole story is in here. Uh, this beer this year is being, it will be used to raise funds for the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. The Craft Brewers Guild runs our favorite beer festivals every year. And this year, due to the current situation of COVID, it can't be done. So the guild is in, uh, it needs some, first of, of some assistance. So uh, Petal House stepped up and said, let's make this beer and let's uh, let's continue on this, this positive, strong path. And uh, yeah, so I don't know how much I can explain this, but uh, let's just jump into this episode. Farting, talking podcast. I know, but that's where we started. We're, we already started right there. Doc found a beard hair on his microphone. It was beard. his. It, it was, was definitely beard. Beard. Yeah. We, we know that. We confirmed. We confirmed. How do we know that? We we just really hope. You do have a lab. A you have a lab here, here, Doc. Right. I have a what? A lab. No, not really. Oh, uh, okay. We well, we need, we need to find a lab then to test that hair. Uh, <laughs> I probably should cut all this out, honestly. But uh, we are here. We're at Pedal House, Doc. Thanks for, as always, having us here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and we've got the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild here as well. Um, I think I need to raise this. I look like a hunchback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are we drinking? First of all, let's start with this because we are, this is a, this is a Hot classic. Scotchy. It's a classic, right? It is a, a brewer's classic type of drink. It, 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 um, I'm, I'm, this is Rob from the Brewers Guild. This is Guild. Rob, Rob Palmer <laughs> from the, from the Craft Brewers uh, Guild. People knew right away, Rob. Eh, if I don't know. <laughs> Um, it, it is it is like a, a thing. Uh, it didn't always used to be a thing, and um, I'm, uh, I was introduced to it like in ninety something ninety no two thousand something. I don't know. Come on, Rob, you're not going to be able to continue until you get the exact <laughs> year. We're not we're not no, moving I, forward. I I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I did a, a collaboration beer or a pro am beer with uh, Jim Stralo. Uh, who was at Oak Creek at the time. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, oh, wait, I almost forgot. We got to do this. And he like, you know, his his system is a lot different than, than Doc's. And he, he, had to, he, had to, he had to like get a cup and he had to tie it to a piece of string and he had to throw it in the, because uh, it, it was already in the boil kettle and he had to like fish out, like go fishing a sample. And he, ran, <laughs> he went back into the to the bar and, and, you know, poured a couple of shots of uh, scotch and added the what would, be the first running the most sugary content uh, of all um, the grain that you're uh, uh, putting into your boil kettle. Is this like nature's Red Bull then, basically, with all the sugar? <laughs> it, in it? it is. It is a lot of sugar, <laughs> and um, you know, I'll let Doc talk about the flavor profile because he was throwing off all kinds of terms. But um, uh, it's called a hot scotchy, and, and um, I'll be honest. Like it's part partly because it was like not when the internet was really blown up at all. So there wasn't a lot of. Um, it's all very brewer to brewer or, or tight circle kind of stuff. And um, you know, came to find out that that Four Peaks had done it quite a long time too because they had uh, uh, Clark from uh, 
with the English uh, background, um, uh, helping them out in their early days. Um, and so they, they, they knew about it, but um, you, 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 if you Google hot scotchy, it's really hard to find when it sort of did take off. It took off here in Arizona because I was with the uh, Arizona, Arizona Society of Homebrewers, and um, so all the homebrewers knew about it at some point. And for a while, for Beer Week, they were doing an event where they would they would make first runnings and did it over at Hungry Monk. And um, talk, talk, talk about what it tastes like because, uh, you know, it's hard to translate. And then also talk about, like, how it has to be, like, ready right then because... Very important, yeah. So uh, the hot scotchy, uh, you can't pre-make it and have it ready at a bar. You have to you have, when the wort is going to the kettle is the only time you can get it because wort, uh, if it's not been boiled, it uh, it, it creates DMS. It's, it's a warm uh, product, malted barley. There's S-methionines, the amino acid in there. When you heat it up, it converts to dimethyl sulfide, which tastes like cooked cabbage or cream corn. When you boil it, you're getting rid of that, uh, but uh, it's still warm when you're done boiling. And if you don't use it right away, it's going to start developing that flavor. So we uh, took it before it was boiling, and it's nice and sweet, and it hasn't fully developed that flavor. So it's the only good time to get it is when it's fresh. Uh, so it's unique to breweries unless you uh, unless you have someone, like Rob said, a hungry monk, a homebrewer showing up and making it. But it's good at that specific time. And it's time. the most expensive part, too, because like, that's the most rich... Yeah, it's part of your recipe. You don't just first give runnings, that away. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, why? Why is that? Uh, it, it, it is. Uh, it's the most concentrated sugars, right? Mm-hmm. So it would. If if you started just uh, um, pouring those off at at scale, it would completely make your recipe terrible and really inefficient. So you'd spend three times as much uh, on grain. I mean, it, it wouldn't be cost effective to do it long term. Gotcha. Yeah, picture your uh, coffee going through the coffee filter the first few drops are the most intense flavor and then it uh, plateaus off and sure disappears from there so yeah it's that first few so do you do on every brew you make doc you make three brews a day seven days a week so <laughs> drinking a shitload of these huh? <laughs> <laughs> not for me <laughs> they're good they're a good special treat once in a while yeah uh, and the jameson's a as rob uh, brought up is a the it's the whiskey of choice here because of ian uh, the guy who's inspired me to choose this beer, and there's more to that story that you guys can allude on, but uh, Ian was our brewer that passed away, and that was his his uh, drink of choice. Uh, Which Jameson? Yeah, he was a Jameson fiend. Uh, <laughs> I think that there's a uh, the Google Maps, if you look up the Jameson Boneyard, uh, I think that's his house. It's in Tempe, uh, where he, I think he buried all the Jameson empty bottles. and Yeah. And that, so... So this is in, in homage to uh, in homage of to Ian, right? To Ian. So yeah. cheers to Ian. Cheers to, to Ian. Ian. I, I guess I'm the only one that has that. You guys cheers to him earlier. So <laughs> yeah. So that and that's why we're here today, though, right? This this beer itself is is what is this beer? We're here for the guild. Uh, the guild needs needs help. Uh, yeah. And Ian, when Ian passed away, the guild had started a charity and. Uh, uh, Modern Times approached us about producing a beer uh, in his honor to help his uh, girlfriend and his brother you know, take some time off. And uh, the guild approached us with the charity about how to how to fund it. So we made yeah. this beer. And Ian Campbell O'Neill, Icon is his acronym, but uh, he really liked the rye that Modern Times did. So we made okay. Rikon 
Yeah. Uh, and it's a little more amber in color and uh, adds a rye character. So we produced that beer. And the guild was the first that helped us uh, figure out how to come up with the money for Ian. Yeah. And now it's time to give back to the guild. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. Uh, that was the precursor to, you know, what has evolved into a, a fully formed foundation. Uh, I think we raised 25000 uh, um, for that for that beer and, and some associated uh, events. And it really, um, it really taught us how to run that as a separate organization and, um, and target um, economic and, and healthcare hardships. Um, we've paid out a number of uh, benefits now. Uh, it also has an educational component, so we've used that to pay for um, uh, scholarships to various things. But at, at this point, um, it's it's Rikon gives back, and it's uh, you know it's a great way to keep Ian Campbell O'Neill's his um, enthusiasm, his uh, his outlook on life. He was um, uh, inquisitive. He always wanted to get involved with things and. Um, I think that's the spirit we want to keep moving forward. And, and so, you know, Doc approached us about doing a collaboration beer to get us some funds to get us through the end of the year. And uh, we have big plans for uh, a, a more at scale statewide project. And so this is just sort of, uh, uh, again, since uh, that experience coached us through, um, that experience coached us through building the foundation, this, is gonna, this experience is gonna coach us through how to, how to get the guild um, and our breweries working together and, and doing something that makes sense uh, to keep our organization going. As you may have guessed, it, uh, we are not able to do events, and they were a huge portion of what funded our operation. And uh, so we're down to um, you know uh, making sure that we can continue to serve our members, brewers at a high level. We've got a. I, I'm going to say it probably the biggest legislative challenge we're coming up right now because uh, it is kind of the wild, wild west and a lot of people want things and uh, we just want to make sure we protect our interests and, and, and keep our breweries open as they have been and, and, and also, you know, join together to keep things safe. Um, I think we've also done a great job. I think our breweries showed great leadership in uh, coming up with policies and procedures um, and they've really, uh, you know, excelled where others have failed, and so we want to support that. So really thank, thank uh, Doc, and, and Julian's here with his dog. And uh, <laughs> Hi, buddy. If Hi. I know dogs, that hey, is Barley. the soul and consciousness of, of everything that happens here at Pedal House. A very right. important member of the family. Yep. So and Julian's got the flip-flops on. Julian, what's up, buddy? You want to say hi? Yeah. You can have the dog say hi as well. Is Mike live? Yeah, you're live, hey, guys. Marlo, <laughs> you want to say something? <laughs> He's like, where are the French fries? Yeah. <laughs> so, Julian, we're here doing the the Rikon, the Rikon beer. Yeah. Julian, owner of uh, a Pedal House. How we doing? Good morning. Good morning, man. Good morning. You did you walk the whole way? Uh, no, I drove actually. It's did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, when what year you guys opened up? Twenty sixteen. 15. 2015. 15. 15. Okay. Um, and you were, you've been the brewery here the whole time. Uh, and Ian, when did Ian uh, join in on the, the brewery? The following summer. Uh, okay. We shut down for remodel and uh, poached him from the uh, brewery up the street. Uh, just thought he was too nice to be working for those guys, so yeah. we wanted him on our team. <laughs> saved oh. him. You saved him. <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> 
So, and, I mean, that was, that was, uh, and I'd never, I'd never met Ian, but just the, the craft beer community around, like just nothing but great things to say about the guy. And he had a big impact on the, on the beer scene, right? Yeah. You don't even know it until, I mean, I, I knew, got to know him working with him, but I yeah. had no idea until after he passed yeah. how big it was. Just yeah. the, the people that had stories to tell. Yeah, that was really his outlook. Is is that, that's what really carries to this day. I mean, you saw in the Ruhaus house uh, the inscription on uh, the mash paddle. Um, I mean, that really tells it all. He he, he was uh, uh, just a really a, a breath of fresh air for a lot of folks. And um, uh, again, in, in that spirit, I'm, I'm really happy that Pedal House was able to step up. And we also got some uh, things donated from Country Malts. Uh, the recipe which um you'll see some shots of and and um maybe maybe doc can talk a little bit about that we also have uh, kelly here from yakima chief hops uh, and they'll be joining us um and we have Kristen here and she can talk about how that relationship worked out but you know overall i'm really pleased with the um the gathering today and, and being able to to raise a glass to ian and um and again sort of uh, look forward to working with more breweries to do more of these kinds of projects. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, with with uh, how did Modern Times get involved with with the initial setup of the beer? I know you said that he was a fan of their rye. He yep. loved them, and uh, he he'd gone out to visit him and Sarah. They went out and just fell in love with the brewery, and uh, he made an impact on them. Yeah. So after he passed, they they approached us. They just uh, I think he just touched their heart. Yeah. Yeah, and so the, is it every year? What's what's the the we did it uh, the first year, and then we did it again a year later. Okay. Uh, like we did it a third year, and then we've since revised. Did the White Rabbit, which is uh, uh, we we're able to get a much bigger yield, changing things up, uh, and it's become a popular beer. So we just haven't really been pushing the Rikon, but it's it's here for special occasions like today. And, uh, it's. Instead of the uh, standard hazy IPA, the Rikon is now the big double IPA, the big one. So yeah, nice. Yeah, how many? How many can you drink, Julian? How many can I drink? Yeah. I feel like we, I, you're giving me that look, like you're ready to drink. You're like, geez, <laughs> like let's start hey, drinking. Listen, I, I, this is the uh, <laughs> se- uh, seven days since I last drank, which was Oktoberfest party here last Saturday. Uh, White Rabbit is definitely uh, one of my favorite beers. The only beer that I've been drinking as much of, if not more, lately is Doc's Pilsner, German-style Pilsner, which yeah. I freaking love. I mean, we kind of built this brewery with the intention of doing really clean, true-to-style German lagers, and that Pilsner just hits the mark. So that's kind of my go-to, especially if I'm trying not to get too boozed up, because that white rabbit will sneak up yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah. Gets you on the dance floor, as I like to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 7.45% alcohol, but it's just so well balanced so tasty so smooth they just go down fast uh and i've definitely cut back a little bit because of that but that's uh, a great beer and i think like doc said um kind of started with the rikon four years ago i guess or three years ago and then doc did just a slightly different version uh which became the white rabbit it just became so popular that we've we've had a hard time uh not only keeping up with production but taking it off the rotation because it's our fastest growing beer it's our, probably our most popular beer and often our highest selling beer which is kind of crazy because our regular house ipa 
dominated for a long time until the light logger snuck up and and passed it and then all of a sudden here comes white rabbit around the turn and yeah. catches up to both of them is is now one of our like i said most selling popular selling beers but uh kind of came in late to the conversation but just say a couple words about ian you know that guy was kind of a a light that shone brightly and believe it or not the only funeral i've ever been to in my entire life was ian's and uh I remember the church was so packed with people that they could barely fit them in. I think at, at one point, I'm not even sure everyone even got him, but really just a testament to how much that guy was loved and what a positive guy he was. And it was a very moving ceremony. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to honor him with this beer and to brew it again this year. And I think uh, as Rob mentioned, we've got a paddle with his, his name on it that forever hangs in the brewery. So. It's cool that we're doing this, and it's also cool they're able to support the uh, Brewers Guild in yeah, the process. Absolutely, man. Yeah, because I mean, it's been—I mean—struggle out there for everybody right now, right? And and Rob, what what's? I mean, bring us up to speed as as to what you guys have done since kind of the beginning of this. Because you guys have been instrumental in this whole thing of educating people and kind of leading. Sure. Um, you know, uh, we wanted to position our breweries uh, to be able to do. Um, because we knew that they had um, procedural backgrounds and, and safety backgrounds, and um, you know, f- for us to close, it's a lot different than a restaurant. I mean, there's a there's there's a uh, a ramp up uh, th- that is very costly. You can't really stop and start this thing. Um, so we wanted to position our breweries to, to be able to make good decisions. Because because I we we're, we're all throughout the state. Um, we're small enough that we can. Uh, agree on uh, how we're going to proceed and so w- when things shut down um, we made sure that they were able to do to go and delivery and we, we aligned ourselves with the restaurant association and um, supported liberalizing a lot of different things including um, for them to have to go sales and you know I, I think people latched on to, to cocktails to go but you know it was okay if they sold uh, beer too, and it, I'm not going to say that we we um, sold a lot of beer that way, but it, the, the point was we were all going to work together. Sure. Um, we worked together on on having um, more flexibility with outdoor spaces, and we're going to really push hard as Phoenix uh, enjoys better weather uh, to be able to accomplish that. So, um, you know, it was a lot of interpretations of uh, the the governor's directives, and then county by county. My God. Uh, and then some cities got involved in, in negotiating that. I mean, I, I remember going down to Pima County and um, making sure that they weren't going to write something that was completely um, restrictive for all of us. Uh, so, and we negotiated that, and those ended up becoming the state guidelines. So, uh, you know, our, our intervention and the restaurant association's intervention is very important. I've seen my colleagues in other states, uh, you know, get left by the wayside because we're in this in between where we're manufacturers so we are a critical industry uh, we are uh, restaurants sometimes we are uh, tap rooms sometimes we are um, uh, distributors sometimes yeah. um, and so because of all those things honestly uh, we have a lot of strengths and we uh, are a good model uh, for policy uh, and, and I think that's why we were successful so that was the, f- the focus of getting the information out the latest information about loans and federal programs and um, just how to survive. Uh, 
is what we focused on. In the meantime, we stopped uh, collecting revenue from um, dues. We, we we held off on those. We we didn't have any events going on. We we had to cancel Real Wild and Woody, Baja Beer Festival, um, our Brewers Conference uh, this fall, Barrels, Bottles, and Brews, Jamboree in Northern Arizona. Um, we probably will have to cancel Strong Beer Come Up in 2021. I don't see. Even if uh, things do work out well, I mean, um, people have to understand that a, a festival that size, we, we have a nine-month planning cycle, um, you know, and a six months of really intensive uh, work, and then, you know, at least a three- to four-month sales cycle. Sure, um, yeah. You, you just can't, you know, I, I, I joke, you know, hey, we'll just, the beer will be there, and we'll have some cups, and it'll all work out, but that's, that's not going to work out if you don't have the sales to support the miles of fencing and bathrooms and so yeah. we're, so we're, we're gonna have to figure out how to how to make revenue in ways that we never have before yeah yeah absolutely I, and, and what you were said at the beginning about interpretation right interpretation of what like laws and like what the government because at the beginning I thought that it was like it you couldn't de- deliver and then I talked to Burr said it's always been legal to deliver but then so you guys did a great job of saying okay here is you know from our you did all the research to say here's what we interpret this as sure you right? got it you got to understand like the governor is is not going to get into a situation in a press conference where he's going to get pinned down sure be wrong <laughs> yeah so he's going to give some broad directives and then he's going to rely on his agencies to figure that out well you know his agencies aren't really in our business a lot and they there's a lot to to not understand about what the brewing industry is about and so uh you know part of it is finding allies within the industry that we agree on so we can strongly make those cases but the things that we agree on, this is how things should go. And then it's just to get every avenue um, to get inside whatever room they make those decisions in. Sometimes we're in the room. Sometimes we're in the room by proxy because we have someone looking out for our interests because we have a relationship. And, you know, you, you push all those things together and you kind of hold your breath the next time he has another conference. And he, if he says the right things, you still got to do work to make sure that uh, – uh, what we wanted uh, is included and sometimes it is just literally like hey we've looked at this and we tell the agencies this is how we read this and this is how we're going to proceed at this point yeah. and here's who we are and here's what we're going to do and, and you know um, it's kind of working together with them because they lo- they're looking for direction too and you're not going to find that there's with uh, you know the bar industry we obviously love those guys they, they purchase our products we we, we patronize bars. Uh, we want them to be open. Um, but they, their organization um, doesn't have the solidarity that ours does. Ah, um, uh, sure. You, yeah. you look at, uh, you know, other, the restaurants, uh, similarly. They, they don't, they don't, the restaurant people don't get together uh, the way that we do. And so it's, it would be very hard for them to, to really make these cultural. I mean, a lot of this is cultural, right? Sure. Yeah. How people behave. So that's where our strengths are. And that's, um, that's why I feel like. It, with, it, when we have this organization, we can we can push policy and we can actually you know make Arizona better. It's not just for us. I, I think sure. yeah. I think people are looking for direction and, and focus, and I think we we try to provide that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for you as a uh, <laughs> you didn't know what that Boss was. Is <laughs> That's uh, hot scotchy. 
It's not with Jameson. Oh, it's hot scotch. It looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you taste it? No. Oh, you just smelled it? I just smelled it. Uh, <laughs> so I impose on your yeah, hot scotch. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Well, so you guys, as, as business owners, right now, this happens and you're like, shit, what can we do, right? I mean, how valuable is that to have you know an organization that's, that's well, doing I often, that? I often get asked, being that I've got a long history in the restaurant business and a more, much more recent history in the brewing business, what it's like being in the brewery business and... The first thing that comes to mind is just the, the camaraderie in the industry and how I feel like we're kind of all, you know, one for all for one. And we we do band together. We do support. I do think Rob is exceptional at what he does and keeping everyone together and doing such a great job at the Brewers Guild and the events they put on. Second to none from what I've seen and living in other states. But, uh, yeah, these are uncertain times uh, for restaurants and the brewing industry alike. And I think the legislation has been key. I know being able to do the to-go sales and expanding to, you know, liquor even to-go and relaxing some of the laws on beer to-go for those restaurants, including one of ours that didn't have the growler uh, permit in place, we would not have been able to sell beer to-go without jumping through some hoops. At the time, the liquor board was shut down, so I don't even know if we would have had the option to go in and um, expand our permit, our license to include the beer to go. But I think through the Brewers Guild's work and working with the uh, governor's office, uh, that was was possible. That certainly helped. I mean, anything helped, especially during the thick of of COVID, and, and even now we're still not out of the woods, but the legislation helps, and the Brewers Guild's been very instrumental in that, so. Yeah. And so we're making this beer today. We have some special guests. We have a special guest, right? Kelly, would you like to join us now? Yeah, I'm going to have uh, Kristen get up too. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Kelly, Kristen's like, dang it. <laughs> I'm going to pass the mic. Julian, thanks for joining, on man. The ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, I'm Kelly Lormeyer. I work with Yakima Chief Pops. Um, yeah, that's me. The famous, <laughs> I, the, the famous yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I live in San Diego, so I haven't been over since February when the strong beer happened. So I'm really happy to be out here today. Um, I was glad that Doc had brought this up um, to the guild. It's like a very awesome, obviously, tribute to Ian and obviously now a tribute to the guild. So it's like very passionate that Doc did that for them. And it was fun, too, that we were able to do this beer that Doc had and kind of changed the hops up a little bit yeah um so i'll let him talk a little bit about the beer because i think i can add things about the hops but um you know he we got some cryo in here we have some extract in here we're doing some laurel some sabro the equinot extract um so this is going to be a giant tropical um hoppy delicious the rye it's just going to have some like great character ah, that's an interesting doc i look over his face is like yeah he's smiling really shit, big man. <laughs> so, yeah we've been um we're gonna be um dr- we're transferring on to the sabro correct is am i correct on that or are we doing fermentation i think there's some in the in the kettle as in well kettle as today. Uh, okay. in the uh maybe i'm wrong i think that's all dry hop is it all dry hop okay yeah so the Sabro is kind of a newer hop. Um, it's been around. It's only been named for uh, maybe two years. It's maybe a second year. Um, you say but, named. Why, why do you say named? Um, okay, yeah. Hops start as numbers. Okay. So oh. hops are, um, we grow experimental hops, I guess I should say. Um, we are. We work with a hop breeder called Yakima Chief Ranches. Okay. And yeah. they uh, breed hops. So like Mosaic, Citra, Simcoe, um, Equinot, Atanum, 
um, are some of the things that have come out of our breeding program. Okay. Uh, it takes about 10 years for a cop to come to a commercial variety and be named. Oh. Um, and that is because like we're studying the agronomics of the hop as it goes. What's that mean? What's so, agronomics? Um, hops can only grow and be harvested one time a year. Okay. And that happens in September. Um, hops are very fickle little things. Yeah. Um, they're, you have to hand twine them in the spring um, so that they'll grow up. They grow on about 18 foot trellis. Uh, they need long daylight. That's why hops really only grow best in certain uh, latitudes. Ah, okay. um, so that's why you see the band, like, you know, Germany, Czech. Is, it's, it's more light than temperature? Yep. Ah, it's all about the light. The long days are what's needed. So okay. when the hops hit the top of the vine or the top of the, I guess, yeah, the vine. And usually like July, August, that's whenever... You know, they're starting to fill out, get lots of cones. Okay. Um, if you ever get to come to Yakima, I mean, it's their big, bushy, like, giant things. Like, vi- like, like I mean, like, like, on the side of the building here, you guys have vines. Yep. Yeah. Like Starting like, vines, right? Yeah. Starter's kit, Doc? Is that the... St- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a starter kit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they need that long daylight to really get the cones and the okay. alpha. So the alpha acids come in. That's whenever the lupulin glands fill. Uh-huh. And that's like what makes beer taste amazing is all that, the oils in those lupulin glands. Gotcha. Um, but the reason it takes so long is because we only get a year, you know, one season every year. Yeah. Um, and basically hops start in a nursery and like little flesh, like flesh cuttings. Um, they can also start in a, well, once they, I guess I'm not, I should not really talk about that because I'm not schooled as well. Nobody's going to judge you on this but, podcast. Yeah. They know <laughs> how little you. I know. So they're <laughs> like, oh my God, she's, she's. A genius compared to him, yeah. Right. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so once they come out of the nursery, they're vi- they're seen as viable on okay. that on that table. Then they'll go into the ground. So it's called a hill. Okay. And a hill usually has two vines that come out of it. Um, so if they'll go one hill, so it'll be two vines. And if they get cones, like babies don't usually get too many cones, but some of them can. Okay. Um, and so they'll get the cones, and if they're deemed smelling good by worthy, people rubbing, worthy. worthy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then they might get three hills the next year uh, and then seven hills and then maybe an acre and so you're breeding it based on the strength like the sh- what is what are the yeah. strongest ones in this group yep. yeah uh, like what is it disease resistant yeah. is it like growing to the top of the vine is it smelling good once we kind of get into like the seventh year we're in like more brewing trials so okay. that's where we would be doing like experimental trials so people have access to experimental hops there's not a lot of them more cur- for little like one-off batches and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Sabro came through that program. It's a really unique hop. It's Neo Mexicanus. Okay. Um, so it was wild. It's one of the only. I just learned this the other day. I'm gonna flex some knowledge. I'm probably wrong, Doc. So don't you know? Don't judge me. But are there there are three hops that grow wildly in the U.S. Like that. There actually, is wild Neo hops. Mexican, yeah, Neo Mexicano. Yeah, Neo Mexicanus hops. Um, I feel like they can't. Like, did they come from New Mexico? Or is it just like, do they, that's a background I should learn more about. I think there, so there's yeah. a, I, I only, I only, this is very new knowledge. I will forget this by tomorrow, but then I'll, I'll listen <laughs> no to podcasts. It'll come back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was a guy in Colorado, I think that, that mm. like basically found them and started to, I guess, I don't know, utilize them. Yeah. Todd, somebody. So okay. we'll just we'll go from there. We'll, we'll okay. take the talks yeah. and be like, you're so full of shit, dude. <laughs> Hops can grow wild. They'll grow anywhere. Um, yeah. It's just the qualities that you sure. want might not be as strong. 
strong as if you're growing them in the right region. Okay. Okay. So I guess that's kind of the thing with hops. Yeah, you can like grow them. We grow them in California. Yeah. They're mostly used for wet hops. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I think there's. Is there somebody in the in the Verde Valley growing? No. Okay. That's the. Uh, there there have been it's a few small. people here. No. Okay. Riba Farms did a little bit with Neo Mexicano. Okay. Um, there was 24 hour hops. I can't remember what they did. The green. Do you remember those guys? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I, I toured there. It's an indoor. It uh, was. It's they a year-round greenhouse, greenhouse really? and they can turn three three or four crops a year. Yeah. They're not That's cheap. Cool. Yeah. I it's not cheap to buy hops from them. I don't think they're uh, in business anymore either. I don't yeah, think that just, they're like, we don't have the money to keep this in operation. It was But they've feasible, innovated yeah. to, to be able to say, hey, this is this is possible. It's actually really cool. It was really cool touring it. You walk inside, uh, you know, middle of summer in, in uh, Arizona, and it's a... Uh, swamp cooled greenhouse and they got yeah. all the light they need and and they had led lights as well uh, to augment yep. from under underneath because the, the sun came from above they wanted the hop cones all the way down to the ground so yeah uh they grew some crazy hops uh just the cost to to get them uh it was not profitable for them and and any one of us if we wanted to buy the hops and they were competitive with with your hops up in yakima we'd buy the entire greenhouse would be like uh, uh portion of a year for one brewery sure. yeah, so it yeah. was uh, it was more for they marketed it more towards the home brewers the more like hey home brewers come they had like pick your own hops day and so some of the home brewers would do that i think yeah. they did something with sun up did they they were talking with you right then you guys i went down maybe and toured toured it. i loved yeah. it it's uh it was a cool concept i i wish uh i mean I, we always want to get what we can locally sure uh, truckers don't mind if you cut them out of the loop because there's not enough truckers <laughs> nah. so but uh you really can't get local hops the same as uh, Yakima and the Willamette Valley. That's that's where you got to get the American grown. And Michigan grows good hops. Yeah, too, Michigan right? started has started growing like a couple years ago. Yeah, they're doing some. I heard. Uh, so I, I was with a uh, there was a beer fest at the uh, it's the museum in Mesa, Beer and Bones. Remember that one? I haven't been. To oh that. yeah, they, they yeah. So they there had was an me event they had right. Do a, I was a guest speaker there with a bunch of actual scientists and. Uh, I went last, and they pretty much covered everything I was going to cover. So I was just like, "You guys talk more, because you guys are more interesting." I was like, "Anyone have any questions on how to make beer?" But it, they they covered it all because they were all homebrewers and scientists. But the one guy was talking about uh, the history of hops, and the, I don't know if they use carbon dating of fossils or whatever, but they found out hops. They, God, there was a, something like sixty million. I don't know the number, but it was before grass. Okay. Uh, wow. So dinosaurs, he said. The, the brontosaurus and all the, the herbivores, they were eating hops. Wow. That was like one of the cool. first plants, and it was the region that he named. And again, I'm not, I'm not good with all this stuff, but it's uh, it wasn't where it's at now because the whole continent shifted since then, but it's now what's known as Michigan. And he says the first hops they know of were yeah. in what's now known as Michigan. So okay. it kind of wow. was eye-awakening to me. Yeah. But it was probably in a really good latitude back when the continents were in a different spot anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it still kind of is, I think, the prop, like not the prop, the challenges is that Yakima's high desert. And so the hops uh. aren't getting water, rained on, we're irrigating. Um, and so hops are really susceptible to mildew. Okay. So like that would be, that's why kind of the hop, it was New York and then Michigan, like mm. I think probably like kind of came over and then Yakima just because of the high desert nature of it. Yeah. As you go over the pass from Seattle and you're not getting rain falling out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might get like some snow, like we need the snow in the winter that hops need dormancy. Oh, so that's why they like need to go, they got, they go back into their crown and they gather all their strength again for the next year. Um, and so that snow pack. 
they are like they're more high maintenance than my kids. Right. Like, <laughs> I need snow. I Hot need light. Like, yeah. Drone light. Right. You know? they're, hot, they're high maintenance. <laughs> so how do you get in the hop game? Like how did how did you get with Yakima? Um, so I was uh, selling beer for a living um, with New Belgium and a smaller brewery called Tallgrass in okay. Kansas City and St. Louis. And um, I was like, I love IPA. So I was like interested in like, what are these things? And working in those two environments, the Tallgrass, I worked for about four years. And um, I was there at the brewery all the time. So I learned a lot about the process. Ah, okay. So I like understood the hops. So we'd like, you know, smell hops, talk about hops, and, like make IPA. Yeah. Um, and then moved to New Belgium as just an opportunity um, and got deeper into like some of their stuff was really like quality control, line cleaning, um, just like a, another step up from, you know, just making sure that beer is served correctly, okay. which is yeah. like a, a really big, powerful thing at your brewery if you're serving fresh beer, cleaning your lines, like making sure your date codes are good. Yeah. And that's going to keep the consumer drinking a fresh What's beer. What's a date code? A date code. Yeah. So beers oh. are not last forever. They don't last forever. <laughs> oh, so like the 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 main yeah. date or okay. yeah, sorry, okay. yeah, okay, like okay, the gotcha. expiration date. Okay, date all right, code. gotcha. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. a, yeah I should I have figured that out. That yeah. was pretty simple. Once I heard it the second time, I'm like, damn it, I got to go through with it. And yeah, <laughs> I like your questions. Yeah, so they're good. <laughs> right, good, good. Yeah. Um, and from there, I was kind of just trying to figure out something that I could do that was a little bit more deep in the industry. Okay. And uh, my friend was like, why don't you do raw materials? And so I found this job online, like very serendipitously, like, and I applied for it and I was not expecting anything. Um, but they called me up and I had a couple phone interviews and then I went to Yakima and met the, um, the sales manager at the time, who's now our CEO, okay. which is pretty cool. So I've been there for five years. Yeah. So I saw the sales manager go from sales manager to CEO. Um, but the Ryan person that and I, hired you on that liked you that you're like yeah, yeah. now he's the CEO yeah. so I feel pretty good yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's a great company yeah that's um, awesome and I've always wanted to work with farms so it was okay. just kind of a natural fit I've never yeah. heard anybody say so my friend told me I should get into raw materials like what right yeah <laughs> who yeah. says that what does that even mean <laughs> but it makes total sense yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, in the five years uh, I mean so Kristen was saying that you're you're like one of the most well liked do you say one of or the most <laughs> Clarify, Kristen, on the mic. <laughs> no question. I, I love all of our allied members. Right? Exactly. Uh, Kelly is is very close to my heart and a dear friend. Um, it was a no-brainer to give her and Yakima Chief a call yeah. for today's brew. Yeah. yeah, Kristen's been a great partner um, for Yakima Chief. Um, she always makes sure we're included in all the events that are happening in Arizona. Um, she's very forthcoming with what's going on in Arizona, which is really powerful because especially since... I haven't really been to Arizona since February. It's been a different landscape for us with traveling. We're allowed to do it now. Um, I probably will start, like right now we're in something called, it's harvest is September, and then now we're doing selection. Okay. Um, so that's why I had to do the Saturday. So thank you for accommodating Oh, for sure, yeah. No problem. Today. Yeah, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Because um, I really did want to be here just because this partnership with the Arizona Guild has been really powerful and strong. And it helps keep our us in the minds of the brewers too. We, it's like a two-way street, you know. Yeah. Um, it helps like people know what we're doing and um, anything we can offer to help is we're definitely here. So I was very happy to be asked. Yeah, that's awesome. And so and you guys got a couple of people on board for the materials for this, the raw materials, as as she her friend yes. would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, of course Kelly with Yakima Chief Hops, and then also John Egan with Country Mall. Unfortunately, uh, with 
COVID, um, I don't think he is allowed to travel right now, but he definitely would, he wishes he could be here and he donated all of the grains for this recipe. Yeah, very nice. And there were a lot of grains. Yeah, 100% of everything that went in that (laughs) mill came from, basically all the hops came from you and all the... All the uh, malt came from Country Malt, and it's uh, super appreciative. Uh, also, beyond that, uh, Yakima Chief actually helped write the recipe. The hop, we kind of just said this is what we did, and you turned it over to your people, and they came back and said this is what you're going to do. And, yeah. <laughs> and I think you even upped it a little bit, uh, a little more of this, a little more of that, and let's make it big. And so we're like, all right, we're doing a double IPA. <laughs> yeah, a double a double rye that's going to be very, you said, very yeah. juicy with the hops and that sounds very interesting it's gonna be great yeah so yeah. what's the plan what's the plan for it like release do we kind of so we're looking at doc i think you want to help me out on this the uh november around november 10th somewhere around Week. there yes we okay. uh, assuming we're done with the louder by then we had our first stuck mash already <laughs> that's that's to be expected with rye we, what does uh, that explain that because you explained that to me and it was so fascinating. the um in the brewing process, uh, we ma- we have a separate mash tun. Some brewers mash right into their louder tun. We actually have a mash tun, and we can go through all the steps. Then we transfer to a louder tun, and uh, like a giant coffee filter, you want to try and get the liquid out the bottom and over into your kettle where you boil it up. Well, the uh, rye is very sticky, and the oats, there's oats in there too, uh, very sticky. And it's like putting Play-Doh in the bottom of a coffee filter and expecting coffee to be able to go through so we've stuck it once uh i'm gonna go remedy that shortly uh we're trying to get as much liquid out of it as we can we're just gonna basically remix it up with some hot water and uh start the process over and see if we can i'm anticipating two or three times before we get this kettle full it's it's uh, not uncommon for a double rye ipa so yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's what's gonna happen yeah so hopefully by november 10th we'll have it in the kettle boiling <laughs> gotcha gotcha okay that's the i'm gonna put that on my calendar real quick here doc just <laughs> <laughs> so all right uh, is there anything else we want to add to this uh so for- the the beer uh Rycon is will be the name um after of course ian's legacy it will be available at Pedal House. Look for it around the week of November 10th, the Pedal House out here on Tempe and Mill. Um, I, as Guild, Rob, and myself, we are very appreciative of the Arizona community, the craft beer community, but uh, especially you know our friends and families that are sitting right here around us right now. I want to say thank you to Julian and Doc and Pedal House for allowing us to have this opportunity and starting everything. Definitely Eric Walters would tap that easy. He is amazing. He is there for our breweries and he has always been in contact with me from day one of being part of the guild. And then I have here Kelly. Thank you. Um, like I said, that was an easy call as soon as Doc call, called me. I wanted you to be part of this on how much it meant to me and Rob. And then also Country Malt, um, John Egan. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say that uh, this beer has to sell. And so anyone who's listening who has a mouth and a stomach, you have to buy this beer. And you're going to have to buy a lot of beer uh, in the next couple of months. Um, you, you don't, don't really have to drink need it a mouth. One day. Nose you, can, you just have yeah. to drink a little bit more frequently. Have more occasions. You know, more you got occasions. through a tough uh, Wednesday, have a beer. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are doing great things. We, we just had 
uh, our, our breweries win, win some medals at GABF in one of the most trying times ever, and uh, they did well. And uh, we're, we're picking up our end of the bargain. What I'd like to point out when people say, oh, we have such a great, um, we have such a great uh, culture here, and the beers are great now, and we have so many uh, people who are, who are involved. Uh, the, the dirty secret is we, we are below the fold when it comes to consumption per person. What's that so, mean? Explain that. Uh, per capita. Uh, you know, everybody's got to Are you encouraging it. people to drink more I'm, uh, No, I'm beer? encouraging people that to encourage their it. friends to, to, to drink more Arizona beer. Yeah. Um, you know, during this first, uh, the, the, during the last quarter of the year and, and, and the first quarter, it's really going to be important um, as we come out of this pandemic. Um, drink more Arizona beer. Uh, drink, you know, I mean, support Arizona wines too and spirits. Um, people ask what they can do for their breweries right now and I, and I say look uh, do stuff for your neighborhood do things that are close to you support the things that you can walk to because uh, you don't want those to go away start there um, but yeah uh, you know I shouldn't say drink enjoy enjoy more Arizona enjoy products more, yes. Arizona beers Arizona wines spirits uh, support places in your neighborhood encourage them to buy our products um, those restaurants uh, you know uh that that would be my message is, is uh, take a look at your dollars and spend them in the ways that you think are going to help where you live. Is there anything specifically for the guild that people right? I mean, indirectly by supporting the breweries or supporting the guild, is there any way that that people can just directly support the guild? Um, yeah, we've got a we got a Venmo if you want to donate. <laughs> but, uh, um, Robbie boy, <laughs> Robbie boy, seventy four. It's really important to do to consider it if you got a little extra money because sure. we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the guild yeah so is that i mean if someone uh, yeah, would just yeah, give I mean, it to cash we, we donation throw it out there when, when we do things like our virtual fest we put that out there occasionally and you know now I, i'll tell you what we're, we're gonna we're gonna roll out some programs for uh uh beer week whatever that means it's probably going to be in the entire month of february um we're going to have um this collaboration beer coming out soon but we're going to have a series of them coming out re- released during february um, we're working on a uh, sort of a value booklet. Uh, we're calling it Recoupon AZ Beer. Um, so we're trying to get that pulled together. Um, you know, ask your breweries about it because uh, we need them to sign up and commit to it. And once they commit to it, uh, we're going to run with it. That's going to be a coupon booklet that will be honored throughout the entire 2021, which is our big comeback year, right? Uh, so, uh, you know support us in those ways and if we can if we can come up with this revenue in these new ways um when we get festivals back we'll, we'll really be in a great position all of us uh we'll have we have learned a lot uh i've told the breweries this is a chance to reshape our organization the way you really want it and not be so tied to festivals if you don't want to be if we can come up with these revenue sources uh, it would be like a brewery all of a sudden discovering that they, you know, um, could also, you know, make um, electronics and sell electronics, you know, whatever, like something completely off the wall. Uh, you know, hey, you have a uh, beer and, and you, you can pick up a, an iPhone that we built here. I mean, it, it's as crazy as that sounds. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about that's a raw former thought right there, too. I like it. because so, I. <laughs> so that actually happened. Coors during Prohibition. Yeah. Started Coors Ceramics. 
Ah. Made the circuit boards for the Patriot missiles during the Gulf War. And Yang Ling made ice cream, right? Lab equipment, too. Like yeah, lab and... equipment. Yeah they, yeah, they survived by making other things. They pivoted. So I'm not crazy. Nah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> might be. For different reasons. But uh, uh, no. The, and and uh, you guys have the shirts for sale still, right? You guys are. are, are yeah, have we're, some we're going to have some sort of garage sale. We've, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we're going to clean some house. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no. Uh, we'll. we'll, we'll yeah, we're always going to work on some merch, and we'll have some merch available for all this. We we probably won't be able to turn something for for Rikon this time around, but we'll we'll figure something out. Yeah, um, nice to celebrate this. Now, to to clarify, um, I don't know if we covered this or not, but uh, what's the percentage of the beer going towards like? Hundred percent. That like, how's that? How's so that work? So originally we were talking about a dollar a pint, which works out to what about three thousand dollars for the batch. But then we got all this grain donated, so we were talking about doubling it, doubling down. So yeah, well, yeah. Think. And I think there's an opportunity for uh, craft beer bars and other places to to buy. So uh, Kristen will be contacting you. <laughs> sure, we'd love to work with whoever can <laughs> choose just something to grow this, not just to raise money from this, but. To inspire people to do something else and it needs to be done right away like people need to come up with some ideas because the time's running out on the guild uh it, it's not free having uh the, the talent that our guild has and the ability to go to legislation and uh protect our laws to keep us open so well let me ask you this doc and i don't want to put you on the spot but kind of uh what is a, a guildless beer scene look like like what is that uh, what, what happened in California after the pandemic? I mean, San Diego, the, the, the packaging breweries were still getting beer picked up and going to the grocery stores, but all the brew pubs, tap rooms shut down. And is that still going on? Are they Los Angeles, I think they're turning the corner on that. They're coming out of it? Because uh, they didn't know what to but do? There was, or there's they... definitely been a patch where of bad things happening. Um, and, uh, just to give you a, uh, a bellwether, uh, the Brewers Association asks guilds to fill out a uh, survey every year, and um, generally speaking, all states, the, the last seven years, every state did it. It was because it's important for us to have metrics to compare with each other. Uh, this year, 39 states filled it out, so I'm guessing those other, um, I can do math, 11 states uh, are, are running into a labor crunch or a time crunch or a resource crunch. Uh, because of all of what's going on and you know the, the BA had a program to help uh, smaller states uh, states that maybe have 25 breweries or, or, or you know 50 breweries uh, that are just starting out and that program has evaporated um, so you know above and beyond that we collectively meet almost on a weekly basis online and we we're trying to figure out if there's any ways that we our guild can help another guild too uh, because we don't want to have uh, uh, in, in, in labor uh, labor situations uh, like uh, with labor laws. It's something called a whipsaw. You, you get something passed in one state, and you use that to leverage other states. Uh, uh, it's a it's a tactic that was used during union busting. I had I had I have a background in this, but dude, I'm fascinated, <laughs> Rob. This is like but, but, uh, episode number two. <laughs> uh, we don't want that to happen in the wrong direction. So you get a couple, uh, you know, states that weren't really strong with breweries and, and liquor laws, and uh, things change. Um, it could happen uh, anywhere, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, like, I think a lot of people are under the conception that our laws were written as a result of prohibition. Uh, it's absolutely not true. 
uh, a Our lot liquor of the laws? Stuff, like what? A, a lot of the stuff happened okay. in the 70s and 80s. Uh, in the in the 90s, there was only only one brewery uh, here in Arizona, and when that left, that gave uh, other uh, stakeholders permission to to to, to uh, shape our laws without anyone sitting in the state house uh, looking after our interests. And so it's been a slow climb back to get in the room, slow t- uh, 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 process to get sitting at the table and, and make friends and, and agree on things. Um, and we're there now. And if we're if we're not there, um, uh, somebody with a lot more money than us is gonna is gonna have their way with our laws. And that's the long and short of it. Ah, dude, that was both. It was long and short. Yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right. That is uh, that's a wrap, guys. Thanks I am so much not for. for any office, though. Yeah, <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> this is all you get. Unless it comes with free beer. I'm in. I'm in. Then I'll run against them. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, anything else? Anybody want to add? Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Renhouse, who uh, has ah. the best IPA in the country. Best hazy IPA. Best hazy IPA in the country. Last night, GABF Awards. Did yeah. I miss that? Was I inside yeah. when you guys talked no, about no, it? No. no. It's, uh, they won a gold. Uh, uh, Saddle Mountain. Uh, continued their run, although they, they got a bronze, but nothing to be ashamed of. Three yep. golds and uh, in GABF, one World Beer Cup, and then they, they got yeah, a that's bronze. The most awarded beer in history, right? No, if you I count think it's gold think medals it's, as a high prior points. It's uh, it's in the it's in the top ten, I would say. Of uh, Arizona remember, or the uh, country? For Arizona for sure. For, oh, but, sure in Arizona, but yeah, those guys they what they get two golds at GABF and a gold at World Beer Cup, and then that then, might be unique. And that just um, doesn't happen. Alaska Smoke Porter. Yeah. You got to look at Alaskan smoke porter. That kind of went under the radar for a lot That's of years. True, yeah. Um, uh, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Lazy G got a silver uh, for session beer. Yeah. And, uh, pounder. Fate, uh, uh, chili beer, which won a World Beer Cup gold, and, and now um, bronze. So good. Uh, we have all the res- we have all the collected results. And Doc, I updated the uh, the the numbers for um, BJ's. Uh, last year, uh, I took all BJ's that, Brew House. Right, I, okay. I took all that uh, information <laughs> and crunched it down for Arizona. So we have, you know, all that archive together, and um, uh, you know, because uh, of how things are entered, uh, Doc went back to uh, BJ's and said, "Hey, we we need to fix some of these. There's some missing records here, and some." things that were assigned to the wrong place and we updated that and um thank you for that because that's important yeah that was a weird thing with the uh, brewers association as a uh, corporate company uh you didn't necessarily enter as bj's in arizona you entered as bj's corporate office in huntington beach so while there isn't a brewery in huntington beach uh, it showed a lot of awards that huntington beach won over the years and uh, i think they someone had to figure out which breweries won them and decipher it and that that made Arizona look a lot better when they did. Yeah. Um, BJ's, they're still killing it. They got a uh, medal last night as well. Uh, the one in Reno, the Chandler one hasn't reopened since COVID. Okay. So hopefully soon. Yeah. Hopefully yep. soon. Well, guys, thanks for all gathering. Thanks for getting on the microphones. Um, beginning of November, keep an eye on the Guild and Pedal House for release dates. Yakima Chief, thank you for coming. Yes. And uh, thanks for. What's the dog's name again? Barley. Julian, yeah. I know where Julian is. Ah, there's Julian. Julian, thanks for joining us, hey, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. cool. That's it. Awesome. awesome. Nice job, guys. 53 minutes exactly. Well, I mean, I forgot to hit stop, so.